<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. You're listening to Stand Up, Speak Up, a podcast dedicated to spreading awareness about social issues that usually get swept under the rug. I'm your host, Carla Stevens-Tolstoy, and this episode is brought to you by Wearable Therapy by Toki. Today we're speaking with Jenny Maurer, author of her autobiography, Never Give Up. Jenny has managed to overcome many overwhelming obstacles in her life. She grew up in the foster care system and suffered at the hand of her abusers. Later on in life, she was diagnosed with bipolar, PTSD, and depression. She eventually turned to suicide, but a failed attempt left her paralyzed. Now Jenny shares her story to inspire others to succeed where the odds are against them. I grew up with my mom was bipolar, so whenever she got sick or had to go in the hospital, me and my brother had to go into foster care, which wasn't the greatest thing. I got abused in foster care. That lasted until I was 18, and my brother was kicked out of the house at 16, and he's four years older than me, so I was 12. I know that siblings don't always get to stay together when they go into the foster system. So I really wondered, what happened to her and her brother? We were always separated. This happened in Los Angeles, so the foster care system was not good at all. It was usually too many kids there, so the foster parents really didn't have any say in anything. It was usually the older foster kids that really took control of us, and that's where a lot of the abuse came from, was the older foster kids or the ones who had been there a while. Ellie's foster care system was a dangerous place during Jenny's childhood. Take McLaren Hall as an example. It was established over 40 years ago as a short-term home for children removed from abusive homes. However, it quickly became an overcrowded facility where children with mental illnesses, criminal records, and abusive pasts were all mixed together. There are stories of sexual, physical, emotional abuse happening to the children in McLaren. And after I did a little more deeper research on this, I saw just how tragic and how many lives McLaren Hall had affected. And there's a Facebook, a private Facebook page for all the survivors of McLaren Hall. And it is really heart-wrenching to read what these kids at six, seven, eight, nine, ten had to go through and how it was just a, it was a home just full of abuse, full of predators. So right now there are lawsuits and there are people speaking out about McLaren Hall and they have, I think, made some payouts and I think they're trying to rebuild themselves. But McLaren Hall is for another day because I'm inspired now to do a podcast just about McLaren Hall and kind of raise the awareness of sometimes how people turn out as adults is like 99% how they were for kids so we need to have empathy and understanding for people that didn't have a very comforting safe protected childhood finding out that jenny lived in a city known to have a dangerous foster care system made me wonder had jenny experienced any abuse while she was in the system 
I asked if she'd seen any bad foster homes and what sort of things she might have seen. In the bad foster home, there was a, a lady that was very, very strict. And we had to wear certain clothes to go to school. And then we had to wear certain clothes when we got home. And everything had to be perfectly straight, perfectly clean, perfectly everything. And then she even, I mean, I was 13 years old. And she even, wa- she wanted to bathe me. And it was just really awkward and uncomfortable living there. So, and that was what just me living there by myself. So it was kind of awkward. What do you think your brother's experiences were? He never talked about it. I mean, we never talked about what we experienced in foster home. We never really talked growing up because my brother was so angry. He, he got into drugs and alcohol, so he kind of did his own thing. And I kind of did my own thing. So we, we didn't really talk very much like you would think other brothers and sisters hang out or anything. He had his friends that he hung out with and I did my own thing. Many people have gone through the foster system and experienced trauma. At the Vancouver Poetry Slam, Mr. Durati read Confessions of a Foster Child, an explanation of his own experience in the system. His words are a powerful reminder of the struggle that many children face. Am I coming or going? Is it something I'm holding? Am I loving and growing or am I nothing to no one? Wait. That's a rhetorical question, a deplorable sentence. If you want the real answer, just look at the precedent set by historical reference. Basically, the answer is no. No heaven waiting, no explanation, just my own mental breaking while thoughts tear through my flesh like hollow points to where the devil's waiting. Yes, I said it, Satan, the creator of all iniquity, starving kids that be snarling in the streets, charging and barging like an army of misfit teeth, starving for grub. For hugs, for love, for liberty. Yes, free us from this disease that plagues us, the things that hate us. Release this beast that beats and rapes us. We are screaming for help with this mad disaster. We are a generation of lost souls and we demand an answer. I now will never know what it's like to truly have a lover. Cause I'm so messed up and twisted cause I never had a mother. Just a band of strugglers that make sure each other's backs are covered. But we always look back to the past. So in the end, all of our hearts turn black and rubber. So God, if I can't find some help, please give me the courage and wisdom to at least find myself. Thank you. I wanted to understand what happened when Jenny was in a dangerous home. Was there someone looking out for her? Who took care of her if she was unsafe? What happened if she complained? What happens is the police would come to the house, they'd pick us up, and they'd be calling the social worker, usually late at night or something, call the social worker, and it was, you know, they had to find a place. They just try to fit you in wherever, I mean, that's why I said some places they're only allowed to have three children, but they had four or five because there was no other place to put us. They don't really check on you or anything. So you'd go into foster care. And your mom would be getting help for her mental illness? Or what was she doing in this time? She was in the hospital, usually getting uh, her medication adjusted or something like that. Because she would get into psychotic breaks where, like one time she dropped my brother off for football practice in the middle of the street. And then she went walking down the middle of the street in a day. She didn't know anything. So she would just be out of it. So they'd have to kind of regulate her medicine or you know do something so she was stable enough to take care of us again. What was one of your most traumatic experiences with your mother? Probably the time when when I woke up I was like seven years old and she woke up and she, she was just out of it saying all these computer numbers and letters and everything and we couldn't get her to 
wake up from what she was doing. And my brother was more interested in taking money from her wallet. And he wanted me to go to school, but because she had no money, not a lot of money in her wallet. And I knew their, I knew her codes to get cash mm-hmm. out of the ATM. So he wanted me to go with her. But the problem was when we got back in the car, she wouldn't go home. And my brother was screaming at her to go home. And I was in the back seat crying. And she's doing all these switches and signals and all this stuff. And because I had gone with her so many times to her psychiatrist, I knew the way. So when we were driving on the freeway, I was just like, Mom, turn right here, doing this. So I was able to guide her to the psychiatrist. But when we got there, my brother was screaming at her. And I'm crying. I ran up to the psychiatrist's office, banging on his door, screaming, saying, Mom won't come home. He's like, just tell her to go home. I'm like crying. She won't go home. She won't go home. And he's like, just tell her to go home. And she finally came down to the car, and he saw how she was. And it was really traumatic. She ended up going into the hospital, and we went into foster care. But just the whole situation was very traumatic. It was something that I'll never forget. So, so you, you preferred being with your mother, even if she had these psychotic episodes, than being in foster care. You still preferred your mom. Yeah. But I, when I got older, I was able to spend more time away from her because I did after school sports and I was bust. So by the time I got home, I did my homework, you know, I ate and then I went to bed. So I spent, I didn't really spend a lot of time around her or anything once I got into high school. And so it wasn't as bad during that time, but it just, any kid, teenager has times that you need to talk to somebody. And because I held that in, that's when I became really cutting on myself to get rid of this emotional pain. Self-harm is a big problem among teens in and out of the foster system. It's a very complex disorder that is usually a sign of another mental health issue like PTSD, bipolar, or major depressive disorder. It is so common in the foster system that most foster parents are trained how to deal with a foster child who's self-harming. When Jenny was in foster system, cutting wasn't as common as it is today. Now you can watch YouTube tutorials on how to cut. But back then, it wasn't really talked about. So how did she get started? Well, it was by accident. I was in the bath playing with my mom's razor when I was about seven, and I had accidentally cut myself. And that's when she finally showed concern for me. And she actually treated me like her child, bandaging up and showing concern. So when I saw that, and also when I was sick, she would take care of me the way a mother was supposed to. So after I went through that, I thought, okay, if if I hurt myself, then she'll take care of me. And that's when it, it started off just trying to hurt my arm, you know, break my arm or heard something like that and then I got into cutting but then the cutting changed to I realized when I was really hurting inside I mean my actually felt like my heart was hurting and when I cut then I felt the physical pain and it actually took away the emotional pain so she when I got older I hid it from her and what do you wish somebody had said to you when you were younger, like how could an adult made it better for you or made it different? What could someone have done? I think back then, because I grew up not having another family member, I didn't have a dad to talk to you. It was just me and my mom. Back then, I really don't know much because 
people weren't really aware of a lot of things we're aware of now with friends and, you know, tweeting and Facebook and all that other stuff we have now. So there was no way of showing emotions or what you're going through to your friends or anything like that. Versus now, a lot of more people can reach out without being known and get that out. So I don't know how much it really would have changed because I wasn't able to talk to anyone. With all that Jenny had been through, I wondered if she'd ever been physically abused by one of her family members. After all, people who self-harm usually have a history of abuse. Did your mother and brother ever hit you? My mom, when she got upset or got angry at something, and it, it could be something as small as dropping a candy wrapper, and then all of a sudden she'd blow out about past things. So you never knew when she was just going to blow up. But she would usually blow up on my brother, which was yelling, screaming, throwing things. And then my brother would usually hit on me. And then I would, I would usually be the one to calm my mom down, pick up the pieces, clean everything up. So I was the one who was taking care of her and everything. So so your brother left. How old was he when he went permanently into the foster care? He was 16. So 16, he had lots of anger. Did he have drug addiction by that time or drinking? Yeah, or? he had drug addictions. He would actually play a game with me where... He gave me $20 if I could find his drug stash, which were usually pills. And it was to see if his hiding place was a good hiding place. We also, my mom also found like a mirror that had white stuff like cocaine. We don't know what it was. You decided to join the military when you were 18. What brought that on? Well, I made the decision because my mom kicked me out on my 18th birthday. She kicked me out to live with a friend that I played sports with that we were close, but not close, that close where I want to live with them. But I didn't really have a choice. So I knew that after I graduated, I was not going to have any place to go. So that's when I decided to go into the military. And you were in the military for how many years? Three years. Those who serve in the military are more likely to experience depression than those who don't. So I can only help but wonder how being in the military affected Jenny's mental health. Did she still suffer from depression? Yes. I wasn't being seen by anyone, but I had, for the first year, I had really close friends and it was really good time. I was hoping to get a fresh start away from my mom and just a new start on life. And it was pretty good the first year and a half. I had a really good time, but it was when I finally got to my job position where I went back to isolating and being alone and stuff. And that's when the depression started getting bad again. And did you continue to cut yourself through all these years or did you stop for a time? I stopped while I was going through the training when I was with the group of friends that I was with. But then when I started dealing with the depression and dealing with my mom and stuff, I started cutting again. So then you decided to leave the military, but you went on disability leave. They, they actually medically discharged me with PTSD and um, depression and bipolar. So they diagnosed you there. Then, okay, so you, you go into a deep dive and you decide to take a leave. Was it a permanent discharge or was it going to be temporary? It was permanent. Okay, so at that point, you're now thinking, what am I going to do with my life? Well, I lo always loved medicine. When I was a child, I wanted to be a pediatrician because I love kids and I love medicine. While I was in the military, I was a medical lab tech in the Air Force. So I had still had that medical background. So I first 
went to EMT school because I wanted to work as an EMT and a paramedic. So I did that initially, which was going well. And I was staying with a friend of mine that had kids. So I was, again, in an environment with people, with friends, with kids. So I felt safe. I wasn't, didn't feel depressed or anything like that. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. But then that didn't work out, right? Yes. At what point did you feel uncomfortable in that house? It was after about a year when my friend's husband started acting sexually towards me. At that point, I just felt like there was a target on my back. No matter what I did, no matter where I went, I was getting abused. So at that point, I attempted to take my life by jumping off a bridge. But I ended up, but I I didn't, and I was put in the VA hospital. Jenny's story doesn't end there. She continued to struggle, encountering trouble getting the help she needed from the VA. But that's a story for another day. Today we focus on Jenny's childhood. Jenny's difficulty throughout life can be tied back to her troubled childhood, her abuse in and out of the foster system. She's not the only person who have experienced problems in foster care. In fact, the foster system is in need of serious reform. Vote a text of the year by Dallas News, Federal District Judge Janice Graham Jack had us notice the severe flaws in our foster care system. In a court ruling, she declared the Texas foster care system unconstitutional because it violated the rights of children placed into unsafe homes. She stated Texas foster care system is broken. Most importantly, it is broken for children who almost uniformly leave state custody more damaged than when they entered. She said Texas PMC children have been shuttled through a system where rape, abuse, and instability are the norm. So what is the percentage of children who are abused in the foster care system? That's not an easy question to answer. If you ask the federal government, it's only 0 to 1.34%. According to their records, no children in the foster care system in a Delaware, Vermont, and New Hampshire were abused in 2014. But those statistics come only from investigations done by the child welfare agencies themselves. It's hard to believe those numbers are not unbiased, especially when you consider all the cases of neglect and abuse that have been reported lately. David Pumo, lawyer and managing director at Gatto Glacko Productions, has experience defending children who were victims of abuse in the foster care system. He shared some of his experience with us. One kid who was a, you know, very at a very young age was being basically used by the men who who were his, supposed to be his foster fathers and being you know, passed around on their party guests. I can't tell you how many times I've heard, I feel safer living on the street than I do in, in the group home. It's hard to imagine turning such a negative experience into something good, but Jenny has been able to do that, as well as others. Corey White is a well-known Australian comedian who shares his experience in the foster system through his stand-up act. By sharing his story, he raises awareness for foster care reform while being an inspirational figure for those stuck in the system. I grew up in foster care, right? And, uh, and that's not a big deal. Like, honestly, I think the hardest thing about growing up in foster care is it just makes it really hard to relate to the childhood difficulties of middle-class people. Like, oh, your parents divorced when you were 16. Mm, must have been hard. When I was seven, my mum tried to set my dad on fire. 
because she was high and he was harshing her buzz. But uh, how'd you cope with two parents competing for your love? How did you deal with that second iPod Nano at Christmas? How'd you do it, Olivia? After my interview with Jenny, I started to reflect on her relationship with her mom and her brother. And, you know, is there any possibility for them to have a reconnection or, or build, build back that relationship as it seemed to cause Jenny, you know, a lot of stress and, and anxiety and was an area she didn't really want to talk too much about. So I sent her an email request and I said, uh, I was thinking that maybe you wanted to reach out to your mom and your brother during this podcast and maybe tell them something um, that you want to share with them to get it off your chest. And she came back and she said, no, I don't really have anything to say to them. So I let a few days pass and then I sent the request again. And, and I said, well, you know, what, what advice would you give other people that are perhaps trying to heal from past relationships? Is there any kind of a word of advice or... Is there maybe something that you could say to your mom or your brother that might help others in their journey? And what she gave back was she said, okay, well, to my mom, what I would say is, I wish that you would be proud of me and love me unconditionally. And to my brother, after reading so much about my experiences and my journey, don't you want to get to know me and, and reconnect and we don't have to be so alone we can go through some of our experiences together and she said to the VA hospital no matter what you put me through I was able to overcome and persevere I did write back maybe a fourth or fifth time asking if there's anything she wanted to say to her past caregivers or was there any kind of advice she wanted to leave with people and and for Jenny she really believes that her relationship that got her through all this times that she went through where just nothing seemed to go right was really finding God. And she really emphasized that God is a big part of her healing and her journey. And I did ask if she was involved with the church and she said she just attends church, but it's more of a private relationship she has with God. So I thought that was, um, you know, a good reflection and kind of a good last comment she she made was really you have to kind of find it within you and if that's God if that's Buddha if that's whoever it is sometimes it just helps to be able to think that there's a bigger energy force out there that's going to help take care of you and help you through your tough times when I went to church everyone came up to me and greeted me and patted me and they're like oh we're so happy to have you here and I finally actually felt like I belonged and that people cared about me and that was when my faith became to grow and I became stronger, actually. Jenny suffered in the hands of her mother and in the hands of her foster care system. We need to make sure we do what we can to avoid more of our youth from suffering in similar ways. I'm your host, Carla Stevens Tolstoy, and this has been Stand Up, Speak Up, a podcast created to discuss social issues that often get swept under the rug. This episode was brought to you by Wearable Therapy, an advocacy wear clothing line dedicated to spreading awareness about social issues like foster care reform. Check out our anti-abuse collections for products that will get you talking about the issues you care about. Now
was blind but now i see twas grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed when we been there ten thousand years bright shining as the sun we've loveless days to sing God's grace then when we'd first begun. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast. But we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com.